welcome to the Good Hard Story Podcast, where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the exact same story. I'm Katherine Wolf, and I'm a stroke survivor, a speaker, an author, and co-founder of Hope Heals. Tune in here every week for conversations about wholeheartedly living in a good hard story. Join me in this joyful rebellion to the darkness where we discover the treasures hidden in our hurting. Friends, today it is such a privilege um, to have Brandy Wilson on the Good Hard Story podcast. As you will hear throughout our time together today, um, She's one of us who understands that the good story and the hard story coexist in the very same story. And Brandy may be super familiar to you, but just to give you a brief overview of her, she and her college sweetheart planted churches in Middle Tennessee, ended up being mega church pastors of Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. And overnight, her life was turned upside down. She has three boys now that she is a single mother raising. And she is just such a beautiful symbol of walking through the fire and coming out more radiant than probably going into it. I did not know you before, but... Brandy, it is just, it's overwhelming to um, to know your story. Listen, Brandy, I wanted to ask you about your book and how six years after the very, what had to be the very darkest time in your life, you are able to revisit that deep sadness and darkness and access it and share it with the world. And I'd love to hear from you. Why did you write this book? And tell us about the book. Yeah, the book is called Better Than Okay, uh, Finding Hope and Healing After Your Marriage Ends. Uh, and the so title, I, know, I honestly, should have said that. So sorry. I should have said that. I love the title, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. The title actually originated because I was talking to so many women who are walking through separation or divorce. And oftentimes their first question is, will I be okay? And I found myself telling them, like, you're going to be better than okay. Um, so that's kind of where the title came from, because I feel that with my own life. I think when your life implodes and it falls apart, um, you get to make the decision of, is this going to define me or is this going to be something that I deal with? Um, work on, you know, my part of what I need to do in the healing process and then allow God wow. to use it. And I think mm-hmm. I um, I didn't want to write the book initially. I, I wanted to make sure that I was writing out of my scars and not my wounds. And I think if I'd have written it too early, it might not have been quite as focused on my own personal growth. It might have been more about the what happened, but I really wanted it to be something. I felt like when I was walking through a divorce, I was looking for a resource that brought me hope and also kind of walked me through some of the steps of healing and I couldn't find it. So I thought, I'm just going to 
you know, I, God gave me the opportunity to begin again and taught me a lot through that process. And I want to be able to share that with others. Mm, I love that. Brandy, I would love for you to talk about grief. So many sweet friends listening to this podcast and that I engage throughout multiple disability contexts are dealing with grief, with loss. And I believe we all have wheelchairs. Some of us have them on the outside and some of us are coping with them on the inside. And you, my dear, extremely, extremely unfortunately have got a big old invisible wheelchair and you seem to be living in wheelchair freedom, I must say. <laughs> but uh, I, I believe that's all our opportunity as well, is to live in wheelchair freedom. But I would love to know about the journey of grief, how you are living with grief, walking through grief, coping with it, and how it it stays. I, yeah. I will tell you, as you answer, that for me, the grief has lessened from my old life and the but there is still sorrow and sadness and i i personally believe that it will be lifelong that i won't ever arrive at a place of no grief no matter the end of my story and uh, yeah. i want you to feel the freedom to be honest that um, you don't have to give a Sunday school platitude answer I'm not for that, honestly. Yeah. I don't got time for that. <laughs> I agree with you, and I love you give that permission. Yeah, I think grief is definitely something I still deal with. I think um, the reason for me that I will probably always feel the impact of that grief is because of the way the divorce has impacted my children. Um, yeah. And and we are doing very well right now, but you know, I know that this is going to impact things like graduations and um, when they have weddings and their first babies and it's, it didn't, it, it has an extra layer of difficulty that, yeah. you know, I hate that they are going to have to navigate. I think mm-hmm. um, initially the grief was overwhelming and hard to get out of bed and grief and depression were dancing very closely in my life at all times. And, um, I couldn't sleep at night and I couldn't stay awake in the day. And, you know, I had way more questions than I had answers. And because I was, you know, part of a large church, as you mentioned, it also played out publicly. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to isolate because going to the grocery store felt overwhelming. I remember going to the grocery store the week after my ex-husband resigned and wearing a hoodie um, because I didn't want anyone to talk to me because just having to have any type of conversation about did me in and always brought me to tears. I think Mm. um, Mm. I didn't understand the way, I think I naively believed that walking through grief meant I would get to the each stage, I would do what I needed to do, and then I'd check that off and move on. And grief does not work that way. Um, I grieved really heavily the loss of my dreams I have for my family um, and what our future would look like. I dream, I grieved the fact that I was no longer part of a church community I loved. Um, I felt like God was super generous to heal my heart in regards to my ex-husband. And I didn't 
miss him per se, um, but I missed being part of a family unit and I missed being part of a healthy church where I got to love on people and be part of what God was doing. And I think um, I, I recognize the power of grief all throughout the journey, but I remember I'm a big believer in your body, you know, remembering sometimes before your brain actually catches up. And um, mm. I remember about six months after my divorce was final, it was August um, of 2017. And I was going to visit a church because I was trying to find, I knew like, I still love Crosspoint, cheer them on. I'm friends with current leadership. My kids are friends with their kids, which is a true gift. But I also knew that that probably wasn't the place that God was calling me to serve and be part of church community. And and in Nashville, we have a lot of churches, Catherine. So oh, yeah, I, I know. I, 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 I've been to a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are lots of opportunity of places I could visit. I um, got up that morning and I was not, you know, asking my kids to go with me at that time. It was still too raw for them. And I just thought, I'm going to go by myself. And and the whole morning I woke up and, you know, it was one of those days where you wake up and you just start crying and you cry on and off all day. And I visited this church and, and the church was fine. It's a great church, um, but it just didn't feel comfortable and it didn't feel like home. And I got in my car afterwards and I was so angry that I was even to the point where I was having to look for a new church. And I came home that afternoon and took a little nap trying to shut down all those thoughts and. Um, when I woke up from that nap, it clicked that that Sunday, exactly 12 months before, was the last time I had attended Crosspoint as the senior pastor's wife. Um, mm. And my body recognized that before my head did. And I think that is the part of grief that, you know, grief can be all consuming. It impacts you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It just covers you know, all of the bases. And I didn't mm. expect it to be quite as thorough um, as it is. I think it was a gift for me to learn that, you know, my grief doesn't necessarily shrink, but I grow right. around it. Um, mm. And that was a gift to realize that even though I was still feeling the grief, it didn't mean I was in a setback or I wasn't growing or I wasn't healthy. It meant that I am still feeling the impact of great loss. And I'm also choosing to learn from that and grow out of it. You know, if it was, let's compare grief to a ball, I would think like over time, it would be a softball and then it would be a tennis ball and then it would be a ping pong ball. And and I thought grief would get smaller. And I think the reality is the grief stayed the same. I'm the one who grew. Right, um, the softball stayed, but you grew. Yes. Yeah, yep. that's. That's a powerful word picture that you grew around it. I love that, Brandy. I'd love to read a quote from your book that really struck me. And the context of this quote is that the paper, I think the Tennessean, had come out with an article um, about your husband and what had gone down. Do you mind if I read this? Yeah, go ahead. The narrative being repeated was about an overworked pastor who was burned out. The reality was I'd been sleeping alone, not by my own choice, for more than six months. In my heart, I was sure my suspicions were correct. 
the brokenness went much deeper. Trust had once again been broken, and I was experiencing devastating heartbreak. That just struck me so deep that in all of your terrible personal pain and suffering, to have the public believe something different must have stung just so much more than I could ever imagine. I'm so sorry, Brandy. I feel like even in writing this book, perhaps there's more clarity to the public. And maybe that's a comfort. Maybe you don't care anymore. And that's a comfort even more. You've moved on. Yeah, I think, you know, Catherine, when you're walking through scenarios like that, everyone wants to tell you how you should handle it. Um, everyone wants to tell you, you should do this and you should do this. And, and they're doing it often because they love you. And there's been an injustice that has happened that they would like to correct. But I think at the end of the day, for me, yes, it hurt that people didn't know the full truth. I also very clearly believe that, you know, vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is God. And my priority was to be a stable, healthy parent to my kids. And they had Mm -hmm. already gone through so much um, and were processing so much grief themselves. Uh, One of their therapists said, your kids have gone through two divorces, the divorce of their parents and the divorce from the church, because um, very, I'm very relational leader. So the people that worked for us at church or who we did life with and who we vacationed with and who we celebrated holidays with. Um, and that was all, you know, gone for my kids really quickly. So, yeah, I think, um, I, I even had a few people when better than okay released say like, finally, you're going to sing it from the rooftops. And I'm like, no, this is actually a story of what God chose to do in me when I chose to begin again. Um, and that's what is healthy for my kids to see. My kids know the truth, not to, my kids know the reality of the situation. They actually, um, at the time that I am referring to in the quote you just read, my kids had more truth of the situation than I did. They actually had some of the truth that I'd been looking for because they were kids and they saw things, um, and heard things and looked at phones and that kind of stuff. So my kids know the reality of the situation. And I knew what was best for them was for me to own my story, understand my story and be able to communicate how God has shown up and my story to take care of us. You know, in a very different way, but maybe in the same in some ways. My therapist has always um, just reminded me that kids see Kids see what's going on. You don't have yeah. to, to put a lot of words around it. The children know, actually. Children Eventually, know. they will know. And if they yeah. don't, they will when it's age appropriate. So I think um, there's been a lot of peace for me in a lot of realms in that. And I would I love agree. to know how old are your kids now? What are their ages? Oh, my gosh. They are 22, 19, and 17. Um, so they were, when, you know, an initial separation happened, they would have been nine, 11 and 14. Um, yeah. So they are now, I have two in college and one at home. I have a junior in high school and then a freshman in college and a senior in college. Wow. Wow. You have 
Oh, really been through the fire. You've dealt with the teenage years. Um, yeah. Oh that is, goodness. you are worthy of tremendous honor and praise. <laughs> that is no joke. I can only imagine. I know it is not uh, easy. You know, it one is thing not. Be, no, I know it has not. You know, one thing I talk a lot about that I see so clearly in you writing this book and sharing is this notion of Isaiah 45, 3, that the Lord gives hidden treasure in the darkness, riches stored in secret places. And that that idea that there is specific treasure to be had in deep darkness doesn't mean me like seek out to get the treasure and <laughs> run into the darkness. That's nuts. But when darkness comes, the recognition of there's good stuff here that I get to carry. I get to put a tool in my backpack and carry it through yes. my life. That that is just almost like a like a shot of dopamine. You just feel like, whoa, like yes. yes, a calling to like get the treasure and cherish it and and share it with other people through things like books. And I yes. I see you being a treasure bearer, honestly. And that is Thank a you. glorious thing to see in other people who are making some beautiful things out of some Thank nightmarish you. things. Yeah. That's glorious. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you never want to repeat those dark seasons of life, but I wouldn't trade what we've been through. I think the kids and I have this really close relationship. I call us us four. Um, I call us us four no more. Um, and that's usually when there was a time that we needed to have a dinner and it was just going to be us four to talk about family stuff or go on a vacation, just the four of us. But I was speaking a couple of years ago um, out in Las Vegas, actually, and my oldest son would have been about 19 or 20 at the time, and he asked if he could stream the message I was giving. So I sent him the link and um, got up to teach on stage and actually told the story of how the boys and I had been at the beach that summer. And one of my goals post-divorce was how do I redefine family like nothing is missing? Um, because, you know, we'd been a family unit for a really long time. So how do I recreate a family unit without it feel like there's a big hole of what used to be? Um, and we were sitting at the beach and we were on this beach at this, it's called Cape San Blas. It's this little peninsula on the uh, panhandle of Florida and they allow you to have fires on the beach. So we had gone out that night and dug a hole and built a fire and they're fishing and we're just having casual conversation. It's me and three boys most of the time. So, you know, we're talking football yeah. and we're talking, you know, fish and we're talking. I get it. I'm a boy mom. I get it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I, I just had this moment where I felt like God just said, like, you did it. Like we did it. You have recreated family and nothing is missing. And, and I told that story of how I didn't ever want divorce to be part of my story. And I sure didn't want divorce to be part of my kids' lives, but I wouldn't change where we are today for anything. And I wrapped up that message and I went to the green room and I picked up my phone and my son had sent me several text messages and, and they started out really sweet. Like, Oh, that joke was funny. They're laughing at you. And, um, 
you're killing it. You can tell the audience all love you. And then the last two texts he sent um, said, I couldn't agree more. I wouldn't change our lives for anything. And that was the point where I just, I get goosebumps even saying it out loud now of he can recognize we went through some really hard things together. And the reason we function as the family unit we do is because we continue to show up for each other when things were hard. And he was probably, he was my teenager when it was all happening and there was anger and there was And I'm the parent who stayed. So I end up being the person that feels a lot of that anger and frustration and unfairness. And, um, and for him to be able to reflect now and say, I wouldn't change our lives for anything just feels like a gift. Which is such a desire for all of us mamas whose lives end up different than what we would have thought is that somehow, some way our children are going to be okay in spite of everything that, that we are walking through. You know, I did not have what you had happened, um, but I've had my own hard things happen. And Mm -hmm. the prayer is always, Lord, let it not affect my children. Let my boys be okay through this. And, um, I th- I think you're seeing glimpses of that pretty clearly, and that's very yes, that's yes, very special. It is Brandy, very special. I, I would love to ask you two questions. We ask every guest on this podcast. Okay. This is the Good Hard Story Podcast, and we ask, mm-hmm. "What is good in your story? What is hard in your story?" And how do you live in the tension of both those things at the very same time? Because we believe that they coexist, that good and hard are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that is a hard thing for us as humans to grasp, that it's not mutually exclusive. One of the goods of my story, Catherine, is I we talk a lot about attachment in regards to parenting and then, you know, relationship. Um, and I think because I w- felt so isolated, you know, I went from being surrounded by thousands of people every weekend to, I talked to three people of my therapist. Um, I spent a lot of time talking to God and I went to God and the anger and the frustration and the doubt. And I remember laying face down on my bedroom floor, praying and begging, um, and con- continued to ask him to restore my marriage and it didn't happen and asked him to change my husband's heart and that didn't happen. And I kept going to him. And in the process of going to him, I realized that he didn't heal my marriage. What he actually wanted to heal was me. And that created this secure attachment that I had not had previously with God, where I knew I could show up whether I was angry, whether I was happy, whether I was sad, whether I was disappointed, whether I was lonely, I could show up. And he wanted me to show up with all of those emotions. He wanted me to show up as I was feeling that day, um, as who I was, you know, that day in regards to what I was processing. So I think the good thing is definitely the attachment um, peace that is now a secure attachment with God. And, um, the hard is probably, I, you know, my friends tell me all the time you are born to be a wife and 
um, that was taken from me and it hasn't happened again. So I've been single now for, you know, seven years and I'm ready to share life with someone. So I think the heart is that, you know, one of the things I feel like God has uniquely created me to do is to be someone's partner. Um, and, and that was taken. The person who was my partner left and it's just the processing of the hardness of when, does that happen for me again? I believe it will and pray about that regularly. Um, but yeah, that is something I definitely still feels a little hard in the midst of my story. I bet. Brandy, that is so honest and vulnerable and beautiful. Wow. Thank you for sharing that because that could be something you didn't share publicly, honestly. But yeah. for you to share that <laughs> as part of the heart in your story, to write a book about being better than okay and still share that you long for a new partner, that is mm-hmm. glorious. I want you to know that Thank vulnerability you. is unexpected in Christian community, and I am here for it. You are Thank you. exactly <laughs> right in, in sharing that. That's so good. So thank you. That that moves me very deeply that she went there. I love that. That's awesome. Thank I'm gonna, you. Thank you. You are so welcome. It has been an absolute joy to have you on this podcast. I'd love for you to specifically point people to where they can get better than okay, but I imagine it's everywhere books are sold. Is that right? Yes, yes. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere books are sold. Um, yes. They can find better than okay. Wonderful. You better get it. And how can they keep up with you, Brandy? Where can they tune in to all that you are doing? Yep. On Instagram, I am love Brandy Wilson, Brandy with an I, and my website is lovebrandywilson.com. I do a lot of coaching of women who are going through divorce, women who are trying to figure out how to tell their story after Mm. um, a marriage fails. So all of that information can be found there. That's beautiful. Also, you are the co-founders of a conference. I'd love for you to tell our listeners about that to plan to attend. Yes, I um, get to lead an organization called Leading and Loving It with my best friend, Lori Wilhai, and it is to equip female leaders to love their life and ministry. Um, I was a senior pastor's wife for 20 years, and I know those struggles of being lonely and looking for a connection and maybe not feeling equipped to serve at that level. So we have a conference in October. It's the 24th and 25th of this year. And it's a thousand female ministry leaders um, from all over the United States. And we even get, you know, usually some from Canada or up from Mexico to join us. But it's a really great time of speaking and worship. Our theme this year is breakthrough. And for people who are looking for a breakthrough in their ministries or their families, maybe their relationship, their leadership, it is going to be a great place for them to show up and join us. Wonderful. Wow. It sounds absolutely amazing. And if you are at the helm, I have no doubt that it is. (laughs) Thank you, Brandy, for being on here today. And I will pray for you in your good, hard story. May you feel that the story he is writing in your life is the perfect story. God bless you, Brandy. God bless you too, Catherine. Thank you for joining us on the Good Heart Story Podcast. To learn more about what we are doing, follow us on Instagram at Hope Heals, 
check out all things Hope Heals at HopeHeals.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this wherever you get podcasts. And please feel free to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Good Heart Story Podcast is a production of Good Heart Story, LLC. It is produced by Leah Case and Mary Austin Hall. And I am your fearless and fabulous host, Catherine Wolf. Come back and join us every week where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the very same story. We are with you and for you, friends.